This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels, and more. We're here to help you find something great to read. Hello and welcome to Books and Nachos, the Venganza Media Podcast about all things in print. I'm your host, Stuart in LA, and if you're a precog, you already know that this is The Minority Report, the 1956 short story that would become the basis for the Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise extravaganza 2002 film Minority Report. Two different works with the same basic bullet points, but very different intents. I'm going to try to not focus on the movie, at least until the end. Let's just get into the story. It's a short one, 103 pages if you have the special standalone edition designed by Chip Kidd, a very clever graphic designer who's made the book actually look like an old-fashioned beat cop's notepad. I thought it was a very funny design. If you can find it, it'll give you some amusement. But if you're thinking of Tom Cruise, that's not who John Anderson is in this story, unless you're thinking of Les Grossman, his, the character he played in Tropic Thunder. John Anderton is a fat, bald, insecure, middle-aged guy, not heroic at all. He's kind of upset that his 30-year-old pre-crime program may be taken away from him. That's where we find him in the beginning of the story. He is the one that found three psychic deformed people and saw their potential for fighting crime while he mentions that while other people were trying to get rich and exploit them and use their future seeing powers for their financial gain he really thought about what he could do in society to help and what he saw was that if he tied them all up to a chair and had them babble into computers they could actually process the portions of their speak that are relevant to stopping murder and that they're able to actually, with a 99.8 success rate, reduce crime. There's only been one murder in the last five years, and that's because the suspect that the precogs nailed escaped them. But for the most part, it's been 30 years crime-free. And Anderton is proud of his record, but unsure about what's going to come next for him in his career, particularly since he's now under the eye of a young, youthful, good-looking guy, named Whitwer, who comes strolling in and asking a lot of questions, and who he believes is disrespectful and possibly angling to take control of the pre-crime unit. And things in their relationship get more complicated when a card spits out of the machine saying that John Anderton is going to murder someone. Anderton admits that he doesn't like Whitwer, but he doesn't believe that he's going to kill him, and more to the point, thinks this guy is framing him, setting it up to make it look like he wants to kill him for ulterior motives. And so he goes to his wife, Lisa, and starts asking questions. And she's the one that kind of talks him down and says, I don't think Whitwer is the one out to replace you. This card says you're going to kill a man named Leopold Kaplan. Who's Leopold Kaplan? Well, John Anderton doesn't know at the time, but he's a general in the army. And the army has a very negative view of pre-crime because if you think about it in a world where there is no murder there's not much use for an army there's not much they can do so 
all of those generals and, and military men have been going into retirement. And Anderton reluctantly admits he knows what it's like, Leo, like being put out to pasture when he's confronted with Leo. Leopold has his men round him up and tries to get him to explain why he's going to kill him because the military gets the same information that pre-crime does. And they saw that John Anderton is fingered to murder him at some future date. And they want to know why. Well, long story short, lots of back and forth. I don't want to get into the specifics of it. The important thing is to realize that there is something called a minority report, which is when the three precogs don't agree. One has one opinion about a future path and the other two disagree. And the reason why there is different foreseeable futures for the precogs is because if you know what future you're going to have, it instantly can change it. Meaning John Anderton hears a precog say he's going to kill someone and instantly he's not going to kill it. So another precog will say he's not going to commit murder. But the third one concluded that he is going to commit murder. Why would that be? Why does that majority report conclude that he's going to kill Leopold Kaplan? Well, he has to. <laughs> Eventually, he has to if he's going to protect pre-crime because Leopold Kaplan plans to brag about the fact that the precogs claimed he was going to be murdered by John Anderton and John Anderton is not going to murder him. So in order to protect the program, he has to pull the trigger on the man and kind of helps that he's a manipulative jerk that has underlings that beat up his friends and his wife and all of that. So you're, you're led to believe that that's not such a bad thing that this Kaplan's guy is put out to pasture, but it really kind of subverts some of the big moral questions that Spielberg movie mulls over. And I've got to say, I was surprised to find out that although it's an entertaining little idea about alternate realities and future past, this is a much lesser work than a movie. This may be the first time I read a Philip K. Dick story and felt like, wow, they really fixed it with the movie. You can hear more of my thoughts on the movie over at nowplayingpodcast.com. But that's basically my takeaway is that it's a very clever story, but kind of thematically light and not all of that resonant. Uh, it didn't stay with me. I, I read it and almost instantly forgot it. it. It didn't have any of the power or the images or, or stay with you the way that the film does. So Minority Report feels like minor Philip K. Dick. And I'll just hope for something better as we head into Paycheck, the sixth work we'll be reviewing next week on both nowplayingpodcast.com. It's a Ben Affleck movie. It's also a short story from 1952. We'll be looking at Paycheck next week. I hope you keep reading and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is copyright 2010, Venganza Media Incorporated.